Welcome everyone to another episode of the Discover New Music podcast from Full Pelt Music, where we talk with artists that we have featured on our Discover New Music playlist over on Spotify. One such artist is Guys, and we'll be chatting with them very shortly about their upcoming debut album, Youngest Daughter. But before then, the usual reminders from myself, if you would please do follow us on social media. We are on Facebook at Full Pelt and on Twitter and Instagram at Full Pelt Music. And if you would, please do hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, wherever you are watching or listening. Welcome, Jess, to the Discover New Music podcast. Um, we're delighted to have you on. Uh, how are you this fine, sunny day? Good. I'm lovely. I've been I've been out weeding my garden, which is one of my most favourite things to do. Um, so, yeah, that was good. It's always good for the soul. Um, otherwise, yeah. very busy with the record coming out and all the other things going on in life. So, um, yeah, busy, but but good. I'm just grateful that, that spring has sprung. Yeah, definitely. Um, and a good busy, like you said, because you've got some exciting things coming up. So we're going to talk about your upcoming album and we're going to talk about the live shows you've got coming up. Um, but the Discover New Music podcast is all about our listeners discovering new music, um, bands, yeah. artists that perhaps they haven't listened to before. So we've featured a couple of your tracks over on our uh, Discover New Music playlist on Spotify. So we're going to ask you about those two songs in just a second. But we start every podcast with the same question. Uh, and it's what we call the origin story. So, of yeah. course, uh, Jess, you are the, the front person for the band Guys. Um, yeah. How did that band come into being? What is the origin story for Guys? Well, um, so we, we are like the slowest band in the world, essentially. I, um, so I have been writing songs since I was 15, maybe 14, since I was a kid. But it's terrifying. Like, it's completely terrifying <laughs> to share stuff that you've written with the world of any kind. But particularly, I found sharing songs really scary um, for a long time. And I, my, so I met Titus, my bassist, and Laura, um, who I sing with, and she's, she's playing keys these days as well. We all met at university. And Laura and I were, we were all in, in theatre. Laura and I were in a really bizarre musical. It was like a self-help musical. It was very, very odd. Um, and I mean, terrible. But we had, um, we had a duet in it. And I remember thinking, oh, that sounds, that sounds nice. And I didn't do musicals because I was generally terrified of singing in public in general at that point. But the director was, is, is still a, a, a good friend and she sort of coerced me into it. Um, and I do, I remember thinking, oh, that sound, we sound quite nice together and always thinking that Laura was an extraordinary singer. And then Titus, I met um, doing another play in which he was, he was directing me and he basically tortured me. It was horrible, but we got on really well. It was like method acting, but we were both, you know, 19, 20 students. We didn't know what we were doing. So it was, all, it was awful, but we made really good friends. And he discovered that I wrote songs and one day kind of forced me to play him some. And then he said, you're an idiot, like you should be doing something with these, they're really good. Um, and I think specifically what he said is loads of people with songs that are much worse. Do you yeah. think? <laughs> and I was like, that's, that is true. That, that's fair. I'm not sure that I need to get my confidence that way, but I do remember it helped. Um, so he sort of coerced me into thinking about it a bit more seriously. And then I thought I wasn't brave enough to do it on my own. So I thought, well, maybe Laura would like to sing with me. So I played her some songs. She also, like I still remember our first rehearsal really vividly, she just sort of connected with it immediately and is still, I think, the, the biggest fan of some, some of my songs out there. Um, so I had these two enthusiasts for my songs, which is, was absolutely crucial for me personally to feel yeah. brave enough to do it. Um, 
but we, we all worked in theatres and we went off from, from university and all worked in theatre. So the number of times where we were all available to do gigs or indeed anything were very, very few and far between for years and years and years. Like if I was in a show, you know, I was in shows for, for years, six, seven days a week, you just can't really, can't really gig. No. Um, so it was very slow and um, we found Keith, our drummer, we found him quite a lot later through uh, a friend of Titus's, Eve, who's his his missus who was like oh my boyfriend's a drummer um and we he we played him the stuff and he didn't hate it so that was good and he dreams um but then it's sort of yeah it's been off and on and really really slow until <laughs> until March 2020 <laughs> which <Yes>. was, <laughs> I know. so at this point I I mean there were other things as well in that I married into a sort of rock and roll hall of fame he's not in the hall of fame but I married a, an established musician which showed me quite a lot about the world and life of musicians and but also terrified me again. So basically the reason it's been, this is a really long birthing story, sorry. <laughs> the reason it's been so long is because I'm a coward and it's really scary. Um, but eventually my husband was like, you should take this more seriously. And I was thinking about not acting anymore just because it was getting in the way of every other thing I wanted to do in my life and all my other dreams. And I wanted to train as a psychologist, which I'm now doing as well. Um, and so I did that. Uh, sort of towards the end of 2019 I decided to take that step and then I was like right 2020 that's the year and so we we sort of gave it this big impetus at that point and put the, our first proper EP together and Extra Mile who are a very dear people to us they put the record out and then the world ended so yeah. <laughs> so it's like we'd, we'd taken long bloody long enough already <laughs> and then and then and then the pandemic struck so yeah so that didn't really help with it well in some ways it did I suppose help with the impetus but yeah um, yeah yeah well as you say it's a it is a lengthy story but it's an honest story which is really nice yeah. you know it is really okay. nice to hear and obviously I have to agree with Titus when you said you know this music's too good to be uh, to be sat around. It needs to be out there. So um, we've featured two of those songs on our Discover New Music playlist. So we'll talk to you about both songs. First one I'm going to talk to you about is uh, Don't Come Back, um, which is, uh, you know, a great upbeat little number um, that, you know, is a bit of an earworm, um, you know, one that will stick with you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll talk to us then about the Don't Come Back. Uh, how was the song formed? You know, what is it about? Uh, so Don't Come Back is sort of, uh, I wrote it, I can. I still remember writing it, I wrote it in the living room, I, I used to live with, with Laura, I wrote it in the living room, um, I was just cross I think that some, there'd been another failed relationship but we were still messing around and just damaging each other and hurting each other left, right and centre and other people and um, there had been kind of, a, you know, London is, London is a really, I don't know, are you London based? Uh, not too far away. Not, not too far, too far away. away yeah so London for me is like it's not my natural habitat mm. at all um and I found the some people love this about it but I find the anonymity of the city really unpleasant in that you can just sort of disappear and yeah. there's no accountability and you just bounce off you know you do something awful then you bounce off and I'm including myself in that I did that too and that's kind of what the song's about it's just about living in London and treating people kind of terribly and there being no consequences <laughs> at all um, but also m myself making really bad decisions so it's not about one person per se there's little bits of several different um, right. romantic disasters in that song um, but it is you know it is essentially a, an autobiographical tale of romantic woes as indeed quite a lot of my songs are yeah. 
<laughs> so yeah that's what that one's about but it's relatively old I wrote it quite a long time ago and I wasn't going to put it on the record um because I kind of forgotten about it because right. this is a problem when you don't when when I wasn't doing it for such a long time I was too scared I wrote all these songs and then wasn't playing them so I forgot and then I, I played it to my producer who's also my husband in a session after we'd decided what was on the record I played him this song and he was like again you're an idiot <laughs> like, this is a, it's a recurring theme people call that seem to be yeah yeah <laughs> it's like you've got to you've got to put that song on the record it's it's great um and it is good fun you know it's a bit different to quite a lot of the other stuff that we do so so yeah on it went and we got the lovely lucas drinkwater uh, to come and play some upright bass on that one because it just kind of wanted that yeah that he also did a guitar solo which which is really cool and there's no chance that i could ever play it <laughs> yeah so that's, um that's yeah um uh, so we've really enjoyed it and we also actually enjoyed the uh, the video for it which uh, yeah. listeners can check out on uh, youtube um where was the uh, inspiration for that video uh, where did that come um from? the inspiration for that video was that we have very little time and less money um <laughs> and we have to be imaginative and i think you know we're not the the marketing or the branding of our band is not, it, it's just us. It's just me and, and Laura and the sort of people that we are. There's no, the songs are very unfiltered. Like that's, that's yeah. how I want them to be. They're very honest and they always have been. So we kind of thought, well, you know, it's a song, it should have had really in, in an ideal world, it would have had a full dance like breakdown because Laura and I are both dancers as well we both yeah. dance both both trained actors um so I kind of wanted it to be that or in my head but we didn't have any budget so we, we decided to do the sitting down version <laughs> yeah like finger dancing um but it's more yeah I guess it's just that there's also an element of recalling our, that period of our lives we're both actors me and Laura and uh we all we had to do endless self tapes and it's all that kind of putting yourself up for things and being rejected from it it's quite a depressing life Laura's still an actor but I ran away screaming because it it wasn't the one for me um and there's an element of the self tape about the video which was also conscious I don't know if you've ever done a self tape or seen a self tape but they are cringe mostly. yeah definitely, definitely. Um, but visually it kind of reflects that bit of our life and it's me and Laura being silly and and again for many many years that was and the years of that song that was what our life was like so um yeah. there are artistic reasons behind it but it's also just it was fun and uh, yeah. it was possible and it was fun yeah and listen just definitely check it out a uh, very enjoyable video that goes with a very fun song um so yeah it works really really well um and you talked about obviously the record as a whole being quite autobiographical and we'll probably get into that uh, a little bit more in in the follow-up question to this but before we get to that um the next song that we featured on our uh, playlist is I Know When You Leave. Um, and it, I think that helps show the uh, eclectic mix of uh, right. music that is on the, on the record, because it's yeah, yeah. quite different, obviously, to the first single we just talked about. Um, but yeah. a similar question to uh, Don't Come Back. Um, what can you tell us about um, I Know When You Leave? Um, you know, when was that song uh, formulated and you know, how did it come into being? So that one, yeah, the, you're, you're totally right. We kind of released the two of them, I think, partly because I was hoping people might be intrigued by how different yeah. they are. Um, I Know When You Leave is a song, uh, it's a much more recent song. I wrote it about my husband who tours a lot. Um, so he's away a lot. And yeah. that's, that's the feature of our lives, or he used to be away a lot, and then he, he got stuck at home for two years, which was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually lovely, but it was also terrible. Um, 
but so we we spend a lot of our lives apart and that's what the song is about is about you know a kind of when you're not with the person you know when you're lucky enough to have someone that you share your life with who you, who you really love and we have won the jackpot there for sure eventually as and that's you know the story of the record is the eventually I suppose yeah. <laughs> but we did you know I did get very lucky and um it's not like I go about my life perfectly happily when he's not there like everything is good I'm very happy I have wonderful friends I have uh, hobbies and and work of my own that I really care about but it's just everything's just a little bit worse yeah. um you know there's just something missing it's not quite the same you know I'm not for me it manifests as not feeling quite as present and real um and that's what the song is about it's about just being aware of the absence rather than sort of desperately pining and everything being awful but it's but it's not quite yeah do you know what I mean nothing's right nothing's quite right um so that's what the song is about I actually wrote it uh in Italy on a tour bus his tour bus my partner's tour bus my husband's tour bus when I was about to leave him ironically wow. so I, was, <laughs> I was about to go home um but I knew I was about to be at home alone so and that was an experience I had really well um, and I wrote really unusually I wrote the words first um and then found the tune later which is yeah. not how I normally write there's only two songs I think I've ever written that way both of which are on the record um but I just yeah I wrote these words on on my phone on a bus yeah. and then when I got home I kind of found this melody and I'd always just it, it, it arrived in my head as something that should be or could be a cappella. um and so then I got Laura to well between Laura and I we wrote some harmony lines and then for the recording we ended up with three harmony lines and it became apparent that it was sounded lovely with just the two of us but it was very obviously not live you yeah. know to make double double vocals and the wonderful I mean I'm a massive Emily Barker fan and I have been for a very long time I, I, I see you look like you're yes. familiar with her yes. <laughs> love Emily Barker and I loved Emily Barker long before I met her um, and I love her even more now that I know her and we're yeah. very good um, and she we were doing a live stream she was doing a live stream um, with my husband that I had come to and she said oh if you want any vocals for the record and I sort of you know hyperventilated and then, <laughs> and then thought you know we do actually have this this one line so Emily sang the top line and it's basically yeah. three-part harmony mostly a cappella with it with a teeny bit of piano and it gets quite different to everything else on the record yeah yeah yeah. So, <laughs> yeah no yeah and it certainly is different uh to us on the record but it works really really well and and as you say um emily's contribution um is is fantastic to it and yeah um so um let's talk then about the album um that you're going to be putting out so youngest uh, daughter is out on april the 29th it's obviously your debut record it's uh autobiographical uh quite a lot as as we said and, and not just you know recent but obviously as you said, the, the you know, origin story is, is quite long. And obviously these songs, a lot of these track back quite a while. So they do, um, yeah, talk to us about the album as a whole. You know, what, what does it feel like to you to be putting your debut album out? And, you know, especially with these songs being so autobiographical. Yeah, it's so strange. Um, 
it's it's so wonderful like I'm I'm so excited but also absolutely terrified but it feels like um, it feels like kind of a coming of age thing for us so some of the songs and I haven't you know there are some songs as there should be that have been dropped by the wayside over the years it's not um I've gone for the ones that I love most but there are some songs I wrote 10 years ago there's a couple yeah um, that I just love like one of my favorite songs on the record is maybe not 10 years old but eight years old and some of them are much much more recent but I didn't want to not put them out and my options are at this stage were basically like well either you just do the more recent stuff or you do the best stuff and that seemed like obviously I would I would use the best stuff um so it, it therefore has become like a record that spans this long <laughs> checkered and, and largely uh, ineffectual journey that myself Laura Titus and, and latterly Keith have been on um to try and make it be a, re a real life thing this band uh, against all the other things that we were facing so it's a big feels like a coming of age project which is ridiculous in your 30s you know what I mean <laughs> it's taken a while um in terms of the record is like the they are there are lots and lots of songs about um men on on the record both not just romantically but there's some you know some men who I never think about anymore because it's like but there they are on the songs and that's weird that's really yeah. odd. um but mostly they're about my you know my husband and then a significant chunk of them are either about or informed by my father who taught me to play and who is the reason I love music and who is was sort of everything to me and he passed away very suddenly when I was 18 um and so there's a picture of him and I when I was a kid on the on the in, inner sleeve yeah. of the records of the of the CD, and I got the records that I got the CDs, not the records. There's they, they take ages, but the um, the CDs arrived yesterday, and I opened <laughs> one and just burst into tears. Oh, <laughs> it. So it's it's very, and that's why it's called Youngest Daughter. It's a yeah. lyric from, from one of the from Brother in Arms, which we have already put a version out. But I have I've always had in my head a string arrangement version of that song. Um, which we've got on this record yeah. as a sort of bonus track so that's where the, the the title comes from so in lots of ways I mean the whole thing's dedicated to my dad it kind of feels like yeah you know I got there eventually I made a record here you go um yeah I don't know I feel like I've not answered that very directly but no you have no it's really interesting to get you know this insight and obviously your your story the origin story you know is quite a unique one to get to this point yeah. um you know and it is obviously a very personal record and as you say when yeah. you first feel that cd yesterday you know i can only imagine what it must have gone through your your head yeah. with that one it must um, obviously have been fantastic um it's so, it's so bananas and it's you know some people have, have been doing it most people when they start writing when they're 15 they make their first record by the time they're 18 and i did record a record at school actually but um <laughs> you know no one's ever seeing that <laughs> but like we didn't then i was i was just and it was partly also to be honest it was partly because of when my father passed away yeah Several years after he died, I couldn't really, I just couldn't really emotionally handle the concept of playing the yeah. guitar. They were his guitars, for one thing, and you know, I just so that that was another thing that put a bit of a pause on it for me. Um, and I, I'm really glad, sort of for his sake as well, that I finally got there. <laughs> but I didn't let that get in the way. Eventually. Yeah, um, and obviously, as we say, it's a deeply personal record, and uniquely so because as you've touched upon, the producer of the record is your husband and that's quite an interesting dynamic to me because obviously that could yeah. work one of two ways it could either yes. work really really well or really really badly so you know, yeah. how was the recording process 
Well, honestly, it was both of those things. Um, it, went, yeah, it went both. Some days, it, so my husband is, um, my husband Frank is, is a very well-established artist. Um, but yeah, so I think, you know, he is, you know, he does very well and has been, he has been, he's the normal, the normal version. And he's abnormal in lots of ways, but he's the normal version in that he, he started doing it when he was 15 and, and kept doing it and did it, you know, pursued it. So he's been on the, on the scene and making records since he was 15 years old. Um, Whereas I'm, you know, this is my first baby in this respect. And I'm quite defensive, I think, probably because A, he's he's actually quite, he's not intimidating to me because he's my favorite person in the world, but he just knows so much more about what he's doing yeah. than I, and I hate that. <laughs> and, um, and, and also I think there's an element of, um, you know, we, we don't have the same musical direction necessarily. We have different yeah. instincts. Um, in places and I as much as I hugely respect and admire and love his musical instincts I, it was important to me to to stick to mine but um because the thing about working with your husband is it's you know you can be incredibly honest and there are moments like there's there's one moment and a song called The Crying Kind which I wrote for my dad where I I you know was really hard to get through the recording because both I I was crying down the microphone and he was crying down the cans and we were just a total mess and you can you can very easily access a lot of honesty um and be really honest but at the same time if you then are honest and touch a nerve then all the other things like well you didn't do that laundry and all that kind of stuff can can feed into it um and we're not, you know, we are not people that pull our punches. We are very open with our feelings. So it definitely had its, and that has moments of being creatively brilliant and moments yeah. of causing arguments. So I think it was, it was both. I think we'd do it again. So <laughs> like, I, I would do it again. You'd have to ask Frank with it. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's a positive endorsement of the experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously the experience would have been helped. You mentioned them already, uh, Extra Mile Recordings. We've interviewed a number of their artists um, and there's only ever positive feedback towards Extra Mile. Um, how supportive have they been with this uh, album for you? Yeah, completely. I mean, so they are they are kind of like family to me, really. Certainly to Frank, they are. They're very, very dear friends. Um, and I, when we first sent out what we did the, the EP and that we released in 2020 and when I first sent it over and it was really important to me that they didn't feel obliged to do any work with me because because of who I'm married to that was yeah. really really important yeah. so I, I didn't send it to them at all actually Frank did and he was like totally chill if you don't but they were just immediately on side um, and really supportive and it's not, you know, honestly, musically, it's quite different to a lot of their roster as, as well. It's it's not, uh, there's... Yeah, yeah, they've got a pretty eclectic like, roster, but yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, they definitely do, but it's, it's a, there's not masses directly like us, and mm. I think they thought that was quite interesting, that it yeah. was different. Um, but no, they've been, I mean, they have been and are and seem to exclusively be <laughs> incredibly supportive <laughs> and wonderful people. Um, but yeah, you know, they're all at our wedding, but they're, they're not they're not like a label to us there yeah yeah um, but they are also a great label which is really helpful yeah and I say that's all I ever hear about them which is really, really great uh, in this day and age in particular so let's yeah. um shoot yeah, back sure. to that EP that you referenced yeah. uh it's called the fun part and it came out just before that yeah the world ended as you say the yeah. pandemic Check hit um yeah. <laughs> yeah yes the I month we, we yeah. shall all forever remember um so mm. listeners can still check that out online and they can still buy the EP from your Bandcamp uh, yeah, website, can, I believe, yeah, as well. I've got, I've got some signed copies downstairs still. Well, yeah. 
more quickly. So yeah, um, absolutely, that's still available. And that was your introduction, really, to to the, yeah. the music world. You know, um, you're, you're coming out EP, really. Um, yeah. And obviously, it was a unique time to do that. So, I mean, looking back now, you know, um, what what was it like for you? You know, was it obviously really frustrating when the pandemic hit? And obviously, but, you know, what, um, what did you feel the reaction was, you know, to that record? Was it hard to gauge the reaction, perhaps? Um, of the pandemic? Do you know, it was such a, an interesting time. I think... Again, by virtue of um, my the, the luck of the draw, in that I married someone who who has a, who has a, a, you know an audience already. Fortunately, I married someone who has a kind, generous, and open-minded <laughs> following. They are they Frank Turner fans tend to be the best people in the world, which is lucky. Um, I was terrified putting that out. I'm always terrified putting things out. There's a theme, right? There's, yeah. And that's one of the lyrics in the, in the fun part, actually, is I'm, I'm terrified. Like, it's really scary because you go, look, this is what I can do. I'm not saying it's better than what anyone else can do, blah, blah, blah. But I was really, really worried and nervous about accusations of nepotism because it straight up was nepotism. And I claimed that and made the joke. And that's <laughs> you fine, did, but I, yeah. Didn't want people to hate me for it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because so I, either, I either do it or I don't. Those are my choices. I either yeah. do thing I've always wanted to do that my husband is helping me do or I don't those are my choices so I decided to go for it but I was scared um but I really shouldn't have been I think because people again I made the, like I owned I claimed the joke yeah. so we were on tour I went on tour with Frank for the first time um for two we did two weeks of tour before before the pandemic hit and they were two, honestly two of the happiest weeks of my life. We had the most incredible time. The crowds were so welcoming. I think especially once I'd made the joke, they were like, fair enough. You yeah. know? But they were so welcoming and so lovely and so open-minded. And I didn't know what I was going to get. I didn't know to expect that. Um, and now it feels like I'm part of this huge extended family in within that sort of, for want of a better word, fandom, I mean, within the, the world. Yeah. Frank Turner Hardcore, um, because of the live streams as well. So, so when yeah. we called the the tour, it was desperately sad because we were also on tour with um, Vanessa Jean Speckman yeah. and Michael Schnabel, who are like they're so precious to us, <laughs> extra precious now after this experience. But it was just a dream of a tour. We were having so much fun, and it was really really sad to to pull to pull the shows. But then we started doing these weekly live streams, which were a poor consolation for real life, obviously, but in terms of people responding to and hearing my music, possibly yeah. far more people heard and connected yeah. with the stuff that I put out than they would have done otherwise. So I have to be grateful for that. You know, I have to be yeah. um, aware and grateful for that opportunity. And I am, and I'm very grateful for being accepted and and not just loathed by <laughs> those people um, but yeah, that's one thing you know when you're literally stuck in your house and not allowed yeah. to leave no one can call it nepotism because it's like well no other support <laughs> well yeah <laughs> allowed in <laughs> so, so that was yeah kind of took the edge off that a bit but honestly I think yeah. I worried more than I needed to and I think people liked it I think what made me laugh was when people said oh I can really hear Frank's influence on the songwriting I was like that's funny because I wrote all of these songs yeah I've never heard of him, but um, but I think people want to see that connection. You know, they yeah draw it together. Yeah, um, no, I think they will. Um, and there's an interesting point you raised, obviously. Yeah, with the live streams, perhaps giving you a bigger audience than the the tour actually did. Um, and yeah. it was in it's interesting to chat with you actually because I was at the uh, the last show, the self uh, the self end show. Um, 
I was, and I've actually that was talked. Odd one, wasn't it? It was, and I actually discussed this with Frank on our other podcast, um, yeah. and the, the kind of feeling, that obviously, that he had in the shows leading up to it, and yeah. obviously that decision he made during that show whilst on yeah. stage that yeah, you know, he's going stage. home. Now, you know, as a, a support act, could you feel you know a change in the atmosphere as the shows progressed, as the tour progressed? Totally, yeah, yeah completely. Um, and it was because because I think we we kept thinking because you spend time on the internet and everyone's confused and scared and outraged and horrified and then but then we did a show in Bath and I remember it just being magic still people hadn't quite got the fear yet it still yeah. felt like it was good and and we you know we didn't want to keep going if it was dangerous but it was a yeah. whole new we didn't know what on earth of course face, you know and I think we started to realize oh hang on this isn't just a cop, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. just as slowly as everybody else did, you go, okay, but, like, some people won't be able to come, and that's a shame, but, like, you should never go to a gig when you're ill because you're spread out anyway, was where we started. Yeah. And then <laughs> slowly, you know, over the week, it became, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, okay, this is, right, yeah, this is a totally different thing. And I think the audiences also reflected that, the kind of slow dawning of realisation across the country of what we were facing. Um, and that one in South End. You know, people were really respectful, is my memory. I don't know what you, what you remember. Yeah, I, yeah. I went up front to watch Frank and people were giving each other space. And But then there was quite a lot of space because quite a lot of people hadn't shown yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think we kind of realised that people looked a bit scared and that and we were getting scared. And it's, it's really hard to pull a show because we didn't know what we were doing or facing. There was no insurance. You have contractual obligations. Yeah. You, you've normally, when you pull a show people are outraged yeah. so you kind of rewire your head you know to face something we've never faced before so yeah it was and I think obviously you know by virtue because it was a very much a family tour we were all talking yeah. about it all day all night all the crew and tree the tour manager and Dougie the production manager who who are the the, the real power in that tour yeah. <laughs> Frank just does what they tell them <laughs> um, but they yeah between us we all sort of thrashed it out most nights I remember Frank and I got very drunk and had a row one night because we were so stressed about it, like and just about chicken nuggets. I think it was. Chicken nuggets, the world's ending. So yeah, we definitely. It was a really, really conscious. Yeah, yeah. Thinking about it a lot, but I really felt it that night for sure. As you say, everyone was learning together. It was not something anyone had experienced before, and I was actually covering a number of different shows from different artists that week for another publication, actually. Uh, me and the photographer, I think, both turned to each other at the South End show uh, yeah. and kind of said to each other, I think this is this is it, isn't it? This is the end of music, you know, because, as you say, um, I think we'd seen Frank in that venue uh, a couple of years before, um, sold out, and this one probably wasn't even 50%, and it was clear, you know, yeah, what was happening. I can't remember if it had sold out. Well, it was much better sold than it was intended. Yeah. But then you start, that's not something you want to, you don't want people to... I, you know it's about getting people's money back to them as well and yeah it was it was a I kind of retrospectively part of me wishes we've worked it out faster um but I also don't because they were yeah. magical shows you yeah know, they were you have to hope that people that nobody got very sick at the time yeah. I know you start people people from Italy sending messages calling you a murderer mm. and so on and so forth there's quite a lot to take when you're like yeah really I was just doing a show it's a whole new 
horrifying world exactly yeah um obviously a horrible time for for everyone um and now we've depressed ourselves by talking about it shall we move on to something a bit cheerier because live music is actually back um, it and is. you will be playing some shows very very shortly um so you've got i believe one or two headline shows coming up plus you're going to be supporting the amazing will varley on a number of shows as well so um how excited are you to be getting out and playing those I'm shows i'm so excited and and sort of slightly i i because we, we've done a handful of shows like uh, over the last year um we did lost evenings and then the various shows i had a couple of nice sort of folky supports and then i did the gathering shows with the extra mile gang so it's not our first time back yeah. out um but it, it's the first time back on tour like probably yeah. on tour and um and it's it's, I'm going with Laura this time as well, whereas up until recently, I'd done most of these shows solo um, because she was in shows or, or because that's just what the offer was or what have you. So it'll be really fun to go out together. I'm a little bit sort of trepidatious, I think, about what it's going to be like because I know I feel like things are getting back to normal. They are. Um, yeah. But I'm not. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I do, I'm, not, yeah. I'm, I'm still doing things still feels harder than it used to yeah. and i think that is i don't know on about the shows uh with will but i think across the music industry there's a lot of rhetoric about how that the numbers still just aren't what they used to yeah be yeah um so i don't quite know you know how people are going to feel but i suspect i'm hoping that it's going to be euphoric to be back in yeah. a room with i mean certainly i went to a will varley show at union chapel um in January or December it was cold I can't remember <laughs> what year it was and it was just magical but then a Will Valley show was always magical yeah <laughs> extraordinary um but it was just glorious so yeah I'm really hoping that that's that's the vibe <laughs> yeah just going different places as well being out of my yeah, house exactly yeah I can't <laughs> wait you know like, that's going to be really fun it will be. And of course, I'm guessing it will possibly be the first live airing for a few uh, of the songs from the album, yeah. perhaps. So, yeah. um, you know, how are preparations going for that? Good. So we're doing So we're building up this duo show with Laura on keys, which we've not really done live before. She did a bit of keys at uh, one show at Lost Evenings, but she does. She's, she does play piano really well, but she didn't used to sing and play at the same time because she was a classical singer and yeah. so now she's she's been rehearsing those up and it adds just a lot to the sound it really sort of roots it um and there are some songs that you know just don't quite hit the same if I do them on my own I know when you leave is a good example like I do like singing that song on my own but it's a different ball game when I get to do it with Laura um yeah. and it's different again when people know the songs you know even if it's only a handful of people in the yeah. crowd but if there are if there's anyone singing along that's still like that makes me giddy with joy it's just it's just absurd and wonderful that anyone should know any of my words so it'll be fun I think to because some of the some of the the songs on the record I've played on live streams or I've played yeah a, a bit live, but it it's very different when they're out there in the world and people can go and listen to them if they like them or or already know them even better. It's yeah. still something that makes me pinch myself. So. Yeah, no, excellent. And this is the point where I draw fans' attention to your social media channels because, of course, if they want to come along to one of the live shows, then they need to yeah. find a date they can come to. And the best way these days is to go on social media uh so you are on instagram at guys band yes. and facebook at guys the band 
And guys, yeah, guys' band was taken. I think. Oh, it's <laughs> terrible. Whenever that was, yeah, I don't know who you don't know who took that, but yeah, a long time ago. Oh yeah, well, Twitter is guys' band uh, guys as band, well, yeah. so um, listeners can check them out. And yeah, it's it's always quite funny when I do this bit, and obviously one stands out as a sort of family yeah. normally because it's taken by an account with you know I like one see follower. If it's available again, actually, because it was a yeah. long time ago, and it wasn't a functioning account. It's just someone had claimed it. Yeah. Yeah, very yeah. frustrating but um obviously yeah it is what it is these days um and that's where listeners need to go uh find the, the um tour dates find a show they can come to but if they can't make it to a show you have got a live stream to celebrate the album release on the 29th yeah. so how should yeah. listeners tune into that and what should they expect from it so that one i think we actually are still deciding which because my uh, my instagram my personal instagram is at jess.guys um and that's where I have the most people following me. Yeah. So we, th we thought we might actually do it there just because more people are likely to see it. And um, the live stream is going to be me and Laura, and it's going to be a celebration of the release of the record more than a sort of formal show. So we will be drinking Prosecco. <laughs> um, and I hope that's all right with everybody. But it is a Friday night, um, so it'll be eight o'clock, but I will post that both on my, I'll post the, the details on all our accounts. Um, probably tomorrow we're just finalizing how we do the stream it won't be super high tech because one thing i've learned over the last year is the higher tech you get the worse it becomes <laughs> yeah yeah the more issues that arise for sure yeah, um, honestly, exactly. yeah. so it'll, it'll just be our phone and us having a gallivant time but singing some singing some songs yeah on a friday night with a few drinks sounds absolutely exactly. perfect to me so yeah, listeners yeah. need to um tune in for that obviously check out the social accounts uh, it's been a great pleasure talking with you Jess the yeah, the last too. portion of the podcast the last question uh, that we have segment if you will is called yeah. setlist science um and it's just a question of you know how much importance do you put into the curation of a setlist and do you have any rules that you tend to follow when building one I mean I think about it a lot I live with someone who is obsessive of course about <laughs> uh, Frank is is you know dreams about them I, um, I do think about it a lot for me because I play in a lot of weird tunings I used to make up strange tunings so I, ha I have some songs in open sea and some songs in 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 Dagad and some in in tunings that no one people like what on earth are you hearing to that guitar and I'm like yeah I made it up I don't know um so for me that's a big a big thing that I have to think about is what which tuning am I in and when do I change guitars or when do I change the tunings but in general, I'm, I am, um, so apart from that, that I'm, I all, almost always start with the fun part because it's just quite a fun introduction to us. So it always feels like a nice way to go. And I'm currently trying to like coerce myself off that. It feels like it's a comfort, <laughs> comfort blanket and I need to like stop doing that and do something a bit scarier. Um, but I know I do think about it an awful lot. It's about having a, a story and having yeah. the right is the right the right the good stories and the right spots and the breathing space and when do you drop the one that you know might make a couple of people cry or when do you make them laugh like I do after 10 years in theatre yeah I think about it yeah a lot. um but I'm often restricted by the mad tunings that I play yeah no, it's always interesting to get that insight um, from, from us, especially where there is um, uniqueness, as you just say. Um, so, yeah, no, um, again, thank you so much for your time. Um, you. Obviously, listeners need to you know, head out to a show if they possibly can. They yeah. certainly need to um, check out Youngest Daughter. Um, obviously, they can do that on all the usual streaming sites. But of course, it'd be nice if they could buy a, a physical copy as well. Um, what would be your final message, Jess, for the listeners today? 
um, yeah, I hope you like the record. Same <laughs> 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 thing. Um, I I've always desperately wanted to, you know, have even if it's one person or two people who connect with any songs that I write in the way that I connected with things when I was growing up and, and that inspired me to write stuff. So I guess the one thing, I'm not saying there'll be hordes of these people, but if there's everyone out there who does feel like that's them and they've connected it and, and anything I've written has ever inspired them, like, let me know. <laughs> yeah. Like to know. But yeah, generally, I just I hope you like the record. And yeah. And all the show. Exactly. And they are probably the two uh, most important messages there. So um, no, thank you again for joining us yeah. on the podcast no, and all the best with the album release. Well, I really hope you enjoyed that chat there with guys. Do remember to check out their debut album, Youngest Daughter, coming out on April 29th. And if you can, pop along to one of the shows. Again, follow them on social media. And if you would, do follow us on social media. We are on Facebook at 4Pelt and on Twitter and Instagram at 4Pelt Music. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the playlist over on Spotify. And if you would, do subscribe wherever you're watching or listening to the podcast. And we will be back with another episode of the Discovering Music podcast very soon.